Hello. Hi. Hey. Welcome to Platicast, an audio collage that's as processy, creative, intuitive, and messy as its creators. As queer Chicana traviesas, we're here to reclaim our voices, our process, and our coyote medicine, and we invite you to step out of the realm of the ordinary and take a deep dive into the mystery of what wants to be. So I'd like to talk about burnout. At this time, many folks have been transitioning back into workplaces, in classrooms, being around more people. And this is very much a period of adjustment. For those of you who are able to work or go to school from home, your nervous system may have had the opportunity to settle down a bit from the hustle right? The hustle of work, the hustle of school, the hustle of just getting things done on a daily basis. Even amidst the anxiety that could be elicited from a global pandemic, in some aspects, some folks were able to experience, maybe for the first time, a work-life balance. And again, I want to say some, some folks, not everyone. For some people, it exacerbated situations. And so in this episode, it's going to be geared towards those folks who actually got to experience some respite from working from home or going to school from home. Transitioning back into public space has not been easy for a lot of people. And I know uh, it's easy to write that off as like, uh, whining or whatever, but it's, it isn't that. See, if you've been able to take a significant break from, from your hustle, from the rat race, and then you're expected to go back in it, there's a lot of contrast that you're working up against. You know, like I said, at one, on one end, it's a nervous system thing, a biological thing where your nervous system got to calm down and regulate some, and then coming back into the public sphere, all the energy that being around people requires starts to feel overwhelming. Having to navigate getting ready, running errands, going to work, going through traffic, figuring out how you're going to eat and even use the bathroom. I mean, how much time do we lose and how much energy do we lose on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis just to show up in public spaces? Some of us may not have realized just how unrealistic and capitalistic that hustle is. If you grew up in the United States, you know, that hustle begins when you start kindergarten. And if you went to college or straight into the workforce after high school, it continues. And to have been able to take a step back from all of that and then 
have to be thrust back into it can kind of leave you with a bit of exhaustion or resentment or bitterness because you know that something else is possible. You know that something, something else that actually works for you, that you actually have some say in your own life. As a therapist, I hear many people's stories about the burnouts they experience from work or school. And although there's medication that can be taken for anxiety and depression, things of that nature, there is no prescription, there's no pill for burnout. There's no pill for capitalism. There's no pill for patriarchy. There's no pill for systemic racism and institutionalized racism. These are all systems which we are pressured to work under and labeled as sick if we cannot. Therapeutically speaking, I believe some of the work around this is around the clarification of what you're experiencing and taking the blame off of you and acknowledging that it's the system that's sick and abusive. And once you've peeled off the blame from yourself, you're more clearly able to see what you're working with. And from there, you can make the choice. And for some people, it may not be a choice. And even then, it still is. Here's where I'm going with this. You can choose to stay working in a toxic system, knowing full well what you're in, what you're up against, what you're dealing with and have a goal in mind of one year, five years, 10 years, retirement. You can do that, but you, you do that consciously and under no illusion, or you can choose to no longer work under those systems fully. That second decision usually happens if there's some sense of privilege on your side. Maybe you have a spouse who has health insurance who has income, who can support you as you make the transition out. Maybe you have a nest egg, some kind of asset that you can tap into. Maybe you have somewhere to go where you're relieved of the burdens of rent. Maybe you don't have children. Maybe you're able-bodied and not needing to access consistent quality health care. There are many factors at play here that allow somebody to leave a toxic system. And leaving a toxic system is parallel to leaving a toxic abusive relationship. It's hard. And at times you have to be pushed to a breaking point to finally decide to leave. You begin to doubt yourself and gaslight yourself. You fear for your safety. You fear for your future. A part of you has grown accustomed to being in that abusive relationship slash system and you don't want to leave what's good about it and that the temptations of change, I'll change, I'll change, only to not see any change. So if you're able to leave 
a toxic abusive system and build a life of your own creation, which will still have some threads of toxic systems in it. It still may be a difficult process. Now the third situation here, and I'm sure there's many more, but the, th the third that comes to mind is the person who wants to leave, know they sh knows they should leave, knows that they've, they've got to leave for the sake of their own well-being, but they can't because they don't have any of those privileges. Maybe they have children, maybe they have children with disabilities, maybe they themselves have disabilities, maybe they're not in partnership or maybe they don't have a spouse that can support them through that transition. Maybe they don't have the funds. Maybe they're barely making ends meet or not even able to make ends meet. And if they leave that job, they have nothing. Taking that jump is too risky. And for those in that situation, it's a, it's a calculated risk, but it's a risk nonetheless that has a greater gap than those with some privilege. And so the situation is, is more, is dire. You know, all this, and I haven't even talked about the pressures of being first, second generation here in the United States or a person of color here in the United States with, with those pressures of not wanting your family's sacrifices and legacies to go to waste because that's what it can feel like when we choose to divest from these abusive systems because we've no longer chosen to play by the template of the illusion of an American dream. When we reach a place of burnout, many people will begin to contemplate leaving toxic systems when they are either close to or are in a state of burnout. And burnout itself is dangerous. It's not tired, it's not stress. Burnout is when you've reached that point where you have no more joy left in you. When everything is so painful and feels hopeless, you have no energy, and no three-day weekend or two-week vacation can replenish that. Sometimes our bodies will signal burnout before we do. Our bodies will begin to ache. Disease may start to crop up. Mental stress, mental illness may start to surface. Our spirits may start to feel crushed. And it feels like you're drowning. And nobody can see you or hear you or save you. Burnout is dangerous. And for what? For some system that's not going to take care of you? Sure, they'll give you maybe paid time off, maybe sick days, maybe a good health insurance, maybe a pension. However, as it's been said before, when you die, your job position will be announced before your obituary. I've worked 20 years in community mental health in one way or another. And over that time, I've witnessed many coworkers become sick, die, stressed out, leave. And the mourning period for coworkers is very short. I would be surprised to see 
any lingering, obvious grieving a week later. Very rapidly, things move on to business as usual, and it's as if that person was never there. Adjustments are made, new people are hired, and the same toxicity keeps going. I think especially when you're young, there's a pressure to prove yourself. There's a pressure to succeed. There's a pressure to do everything right and excel. And if you're BIPOC, multiply that by 100. And your workplace, your workplace will acknowledge you when they need you to go above and beyond. But they will not acknowledge you when you need them to go above and beyond for you. Like I said, you may get paid time off, sick leave, but if you are homebound because you're recovering from any kind of illness, your job is not gonna swing by and drop off your groceries or clean your house or wipe your ass or carry you up the stairs. You might have a good relationship with someone in your workplace who might be willing to do that. But your job is not going to go above and beyond to take care of you when you need help. And you're the one doing the work, keeping that place running, keeping that place doing what it's got to do. The level at which you are dispensable and replaceable is disgusting. I remember making that connection fully and realizing that many people will argue and say, well, your job is your job. They're not responsible for, for your well-being. Or, you know, that's your own personal childhood shit that needs to get taken care of. Don't bring that into the workplace. But you know what? We don't operate as parts, as pieces that you can take apart and just put in to a workplace. We come into our workplaces as whole human beings and I refuse to be parted out. When you realize that you are responsible for your well-being because your job will not take care of you, things shift. You begin to do your work different. You begin to say no a lot more. You begin to relieve yourself of the pressures to be a model minority. You begin to meet them where they're at. And if they give you bare minimum, you give them bare minimum. You no longer go above and beyond for people who will not go above and beyond for you. I think it's a fair request. I think it's a fair demand. A lot of time what gets in the way is liability, policy, and politics. Those three factors will dehumanize any workplace and will dehumanize its workers. So if you're experiencing burnout, this is your time to reflect. Burnout forces you into a place 
of deep reflection and contemplation and is begging you to get in touch with yourself at a much deeper level. So if you're experiencing burnout, if you can, take the time, connect with who you are and what you want from this life. I've said it before, tomorrow is not guaranteed to any of us. And the struggle to create your own life is also very real. Divesting from toxic systems that internalized capitalism can be a, a haunting experience. And I need to remember that I'd rather work hard for me knowing that I will show up for myself rather than work hard for a system that I'm incredibly disposable to. Omateo. for listening and we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or if you'd like to share your thoughts hop on over to our website at platicas.com that's p-l-a-t-i-c-a-s-t dot com or send us an email platicas at gmail.com